Welcome to Parenting Your Sensitive Child. Parenting a highly sensitive child can feel overwhelming, and all the parenting books in the world can only get you so far if your head and your heart are out of alignment with your child's. I'm your host, Julia McGarry. Let's create a new parenting paradigm. Hey y'all, before I jump into today's episode, I want to let you know that I am hosting a Parents of Highly Sensitive Children roundtable this Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific. So that's Friday, January 27th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. I'm going to put the link to sign up in the show notes so you can go find it there. I wanted to create a free space for you to come and connect with me, ask questions, share experiences, meet other parents, and know that you're not alone. If you're listening to this after the fact, it's still worth checking. My intention is to offer this regularly as long as there's interest. So pause the episode, click through the link in the show notes, and get yourself signed up. Now for the episode... I want to focus today on working with your own sensitivity. It's not uncommon for parents that I work with to realize that their child might be highly sensitive, look into it a little bit more, and then realize that they might be highly sensitive too. This might mean that you're easily overwhelmed by the amount of activity and noise in your house, especially when you're trying to do something that requires your attention, like cook dinner. It might mean that when your child has a hard day or is experiencing big emotions, you feel it deeply too. It might mean that you find yourself overthinking things that have happened or that you'd rather have a nice weekend at home than one where you're hustling from one activity to the next. And it also might mean that you need time to process and regroup. All the things that are challenging and amazing about our kids as highly sensitive children apply to us to some degree too as highly sensitive parents or highly sensitive adults. So what do you do with that? When you think about situations in which you've felt overwhelmed, it's easy to see how it can be a liability, but it can also be a great asset. And so I want to talk about a few things that you can do to support yourself as a highly sensitive parent and shift the needle towards seeing your sensitivity as an asset in the relationship you have with your child. So first, I want to take some time for you to consider which situations are most likely to trigger overwhelm in you and what you're doing to support yourself through that overwhelm or prevent it altogether. When you do this, when you take the time to consider and you consciously recognize the situations that are hard for you, you get to make a plan for how you're going to handle them. That might mean establishing boundaries for yourself. So if you know you need space in the kitchen while you're cooking, for example, Make that explicitly clear before you even start cooking. Help everyone get settled. 
and be willing to escort them out of the kitchen if they're having trouble respecting that boundary. Be willing to do what you need to do to help them keep themselves occupied. If that means screen time, there's no judgment here. You have to weigh your options. Which situation has the most desirable result and which one has the least desirable result? Is it worth maintaining a hard and fast boundary around screen use if they have a hard time respecting your boundaries around cooking and you end up getting frustrated and yelling? Maybe. If the answer is yes, and you feel like you do need to maintain that restriction around screen time, your child has a really hard time with screens, then maybe you give them a job to do in the kitchen while you're cooking. You might say, you have a couple of choices. You can go play in the other room, you can draw at the table, or you can help me with dinner. If you aren't helping with dinner, I need you to choose one of the other options and give me some space in the kitchen so that I can focus and keep us both safe. I want to be sure to point out in this context, as with any, that establishing a boundary for yourself is about more than telling them to stay out. They might need support figuring out what to do, and they definitely need to know what your expectations are and what happens if they can't meet your expectations. In this case, you're expecting that if they're in the kitchen, they're helping quietly. And if they can't do that, then they need to choose a different option. Boundaries are important. And I chose this kitchen cooking example because it's one that comes up a lot and it's one that has a safety component involved in it too, right? And I think it's worth noting that if it's really hard for your child to stay out of the kitchen, it might be worth enlisting outside help. It might be worth exploring options that are easier to cook for a short period of time because this is a skill that they they can develop, but they don't always have when we want them to have it, right? So just keep that in mind. Like, Work with your child where they are and help them build the skill that they need in order to be safe in order to respect this boundary that you're trying to create, okay? It's also important, we're just kind of shifting gears here, shifting from creating boundaries around the space that you need to do things to looking at the time that you're allowing yourself. It's important to allow yourself enough time Rushing is stressful. If you're rushing, if you're worried about being late, you're starting out one giant step closer to overwhelm or overstimulation. And from that place, little things can push you over the edge so much more quickly. You've got to be on to yourself about this and give yourself plenty of time. And then while we're thinking about time, while we're thinking about that, let's talk about downtime too. You may have recognized by now that your child needs more downtime than other kids. The same is likely true for you. But so many of us were taught throughout our school years and by our employers to just push through and ignore our needs. If that's you, you might feel like you're on edge all the time. You might think, oh, I'm just high anxiety, 
And I won't argue with anyone's anxiety. It is a real circumstance that many of us have to work with. It is something that I work with myself. But I will say that ignoring your needs and pushing through only amplifies it. Schedule in downtime for yourself. Schedule it the way you would a workout. Allow yourself to sit around. Watch YouTube with your kids. Read a book. Meditate, journal, practice yoga. Figure out what you need to reset and make sure you are giving yourself space to do that regularly. These things can be tricky, but they are important. Okay, so just keep in mind some of these, like I'm saying these things and they may be like hard for you to implement at first and that's okay, that's normal, but don't forget about them. Keep trying, all right? And since we're talking about downtime, I just want to add in that breath work can be your best friend. If you have never practiced breath work before, one of the simplest exercises I can offer is to focus on making your exhale longer than your inhale. So you might exhale for the count of four. I'm sorry, you might <laughs> you might inhale for the count of four and then exhale for the count of six. Stay with that pattern for at least five cycles of breath. And then just notice how you feel. Another option that's been really helpful for me is practicing a tiny bit of breath retention. And I wanna just throw in the precaution that breath retention is counterindicated if you're pregnant. So if you're pregnant, if you have a tendency toward feeling lightheaded, um, this is not the ideal practice for you. But if you don't, if you're not pregnant, if you're not veering towards lightheadedness, like when you stand up, um, breath retention can be really helpful. Sometimes when my stress levels are really high, I feel like my breathing is constricted, like I can't take a full breath in. And breath retention helps me when I'm here, when I'm in that place. I like to keep it really basic. So breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. Pay attention to how your body responds. For me, a few rounds of breath retention leave me feeling like I can breathe again. Now, so far, most of the recommendations I've made involve some thinking ahead, some planning, some implementing a new strategy, right? Trying to create a boundary around an activity that, or a like self-care routine, let's say, that you want the space to do by yourself. But what about when you're caught off guard? I want you to know that this will happen sometimes. Sometimes there will be sensory stimulation in contexts that you don't expect. And I want to encourage you to think of accommodations that you can give yourself in those contexts. Just like you might give your child noise-canceling headphones at a concert. What can you offer yourself to dull the impact of excessive sensory input? 
Personally, I tend to be sensitive to sound, so I bought myself a pair of Calmer earplugs. They're pretty cool, and I think there's another kind called Loop that might work well too. I just happened to go with Calmer. Essentially, they alter the shape of your ear canal so that when sound hits it, it isn't so jarring. I found them to be super, super helpful because when I'm stressed and anxious, that added layer of sound is enough to push me over the edge to where I feel overwhelmed. Sound may not be your thing. Maybe you get overstimulated when you're hungry or are experiencing low blood sugar. Maybe it's a temperature thing. Maybe you get overwhelmed by visual clutter. There are many possibilities and there are also many possible solutions. So I just want to encourage you to think about what would work for you. What would help keep you from getting to that point where you're starting to boil over. <laughs> Finally, I want to acknowledge that one of the most challenging things for me is allowing my daughter to process her big emotions and holding space for her without taking some of the emotional weight on for myself. It's hard because you want to open your heart to them and yet as a highly sensitive person, you are emotionally responsive and might be influenced by their emotions. The most helpful thing that I've found for myself has been learning how to separate my emotions from hers, my energy from hers. And one strategy that I find helpful is to visualize myself in a bubble. Basically, you create your own little protected space with a permeable mem membrane and you get to decide what you allow to come in. It's a really helpful visualization for kids and it works for us parents too. It helps me to be receptive without taking everything on myself. Do I do it every time? No, I'm, I'm a work in progress when it comes to this too, but when I remember to do it, it's very helpful. And it also helps after the fact. If I feel connected to her emotions, her energy, her, her experience, even after she's moved on, I can bring in my bubble to help reset. And in that kind of situation, I like to think of it almost like a force field starting just above my head and then sliding down into place, slicing through and clearing away anything that doesn't belong in my bubble on its way down. It's a simple visualization, but I find that it really helps. And the cool thing is if you have all these tools at your disposal, if you are able to reset when you feel dysregulated or overwhelmed, if you are able to release the energy of your child's emotions when you hold space for them, it allows you to be more present when they need you. It helps you slow down, listen, and empathize. It's almost like tending to your own sensitivity activates your superpowers because Highly sensitive people are really great at empathizing and connecting and helping our kids through their most challenging moments, provided we aren't getting too overwhelmed by the process. All right, I hope this has been helpful. And listen, you really don't have to implement all of these things at once. Pick one, focus on one thing at a time. Maybe you go get yourself some earplugs. Maybe you start scheduling in time to journal or meditate. 
You don't have to do it all. Start small and see what shifts. I hope you have a wonderful week. I will talk to you next time. Do you feel like you're parenting 24-7 and you're still not sure your child is getting what they need? Are you ready to stop parenting reactively and start living in partnership with your sensitive child? Are you ready to reclaim time for yourself and time for your dreams? Then you're going to want to explore coaching with me. I help my clients tune out all the noise, better understand their kids, build a parenting strategy that meets their family's specific needs, and do the mindset work necessary to implement that strategy consistently without sacrificing themselves in the process. To get started, just head over to partnerpath.com, click on coaching, and get your free consultation set up. Let's get to know each other.